Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 177, Spy Racers, Season 4, Mexico. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And with us, we have our Spy Racers experts. There is no intro here because this is a bonus episode dropping three days, actually really like two days and four hours from the time we record this. You know them from all lap long, last lap. They are the only people we've ever talked about Spy Racers with and True. the only people we will ever talk about Spy Racers with. We have back from the HTML show and also Exodus for Podcast and now the HTML YouTube show as well that I just found out about. We have Nico Vasillo and Kevo Reese. Hello, guys. All last lap, long last, laugh long lap last. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> lap long, lap lock lang long, lap lang. It's hard to say things. No, Words I couldn't believe difficult. how well you said it. That's why I'm like trying to communicate. You were, yeah. you did it with such like gorgeous finesse. <laughs> Is that why you sounded like you were having a stroke just now? I had no idea what you were doing. Because Joey was fine. <laughs> And then you just started, uh, I don't even know what that was, speaking in tongues. Yeah, it's a pretty bad sign if Joe 2 is like, yes, that is humor, and everybody else is dead silent. That usually <laughs> means that usually means that, Joey, uh, that Joe is humoring me. Joey is sitting there going, well, I know what I'm editing. <laughs> Kevo is sitting there going, I chose this. No, I'm going to leave this in, though. I think I'm going to leave this in <laughs> because I need people to know what... The, I need them to, to feel the confusion. But we're here, and, you know, you said something right before we started recording, Nico, that this is a show no longer about Fast and Furious, really. Um, it's just about these Spy Racers characters. And so it makes sense that uh, things are a little bit off tonight because, I don't know, it's, it's Fast and Furious in name Like, they're in cars. Even that feels like an afterthought in, in certain elements. But is that a bad thing for this i don't think it's inherently a good thing or a bad thing i think it's just it's, it's thing, just what the right? show has become yeah like they're spies it, they're not really spy racers they're just spies <laughs> it's kind of a bad thing though because then why is it fast furious is it just because cars you know there's yeah. <laughs> similarly the jurassic park camp carnivorous or whatever the hell the name of that cartoon show is and that one like the dinosaurs aren't gonna go away obviously so you have that connection to Jurassic World. Why is this under the Fast Furious banner that guys like you who are Fast Furious completionists, <laughs> why should you feel obligated to watch this? I don't know. And this is something that I will I will be uh, upfront about this, that Nico messaged me the other day and he's just like, we're devouring this season because we're really enjoying it. We think it's the best one yet. And I'm like, is it? Because oh, like, it's hard, it's hard for me to tell. I didn't say we were really enjoying it. I said, this is the best it's ever been. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> We're devouring it. It's the best it's ever been. And I'm like, yeah. is it? Because it's hard for me to tell. I don't really enjoy watching this. Because, again, we're not the demographic. I don't think this is a condemnation of the show. I don't think this is, like, a good thing or a bad thing. It, it, we're just... 30-something-year-old dudes, and this is explicitly made for, like, 8- to 12-year-olds, probably? I mean, I have a really positive thing to say about this season that I finally kind of understand maybe what this show is and why we feel perhaps it has failings. It has to do with scale, scope, and reasonable, acceptable limits of what a show can pull off. Side note, I'm going to try and paraphrase somebody who need not ever be quoted ever again because they're disgusting but 
they had a decent point. When you think about a live action program, you have to think about the confines of physicality and budget. It has to not just be plausible, but it has to be accomplishable with a budget that is not quite that of a film. When we're thinking about live action TV shows to compare a TV show to a TV show, the stunts need to be reasonably impressive, but still pretty big. Now, when you give a TV show the opportunity to move to a comic book or a cartoon, you're immediately jeopardizing the contextual value of reality. And I know that sounds like a lot of big words, just to say a lot of big words, but I mean, I really do mean it. One of the things that happened when all of the popular shows from the WB in our teens, they all moved to comic book at one point very suddenly. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer had a very successful comic run that spawned a lot of imitators. And in the context and in the process of imitating all of those shows, everything went from what could be accomplished with a primetime budget once a week, 22 times a year, to whatever the fuck they could figure out how to draw. Now, the problem (laughs) there is you immediately lose the same grounding that made the reality meet so good here. When we take this a step further... Fast and Furious, by its definition, is a movie franchise, not a TV show. So we're already right. changing its format completely in order to make it work. This isn't going from weekly installments to weekly installments. This is going from buy and triannual installments to what the fuck? I mean, it seems like they're constantly making us watch this, right? It's True. always it's always new seasons. Yes. They're just not even celebrating it. They're just like, it happened, guys. Can you watch it? Like, they're not <laughs> even, like, checking with us if we're ready. Oh, and by yet. the way, it's happening next week. Like, it's not like it's a ramp up. Like, especially we're in the era now where it's like, hey, in 22 months, we'll have F9 because of COVID pandemic. But it's just like, hey, yeah, we did another one of these seasons and it's out in eight days. So if you want to watch it, cool. If not, that's also cool because we're going to make another one, I guess. Well, Kevo yeah. made a joke of it's it's Spy Racer season five in June, and I was like, "What? No!" And he was like, "No, I don't know. I was making a joke." <laughs> so, but it's likely, yeah. As we think about the context of what Fast and Furious is as a movie franchise, and then we try and relate it back to this animated series, one of the things we need to keep in mind is the scope and the scale. Fast and Furious as a film franchise looks to push our limits with our believability when it comes to feats of sort of like combustible engine, you know, engineering. When you're taking a look at Spy Racers, it's meant to look pretty and loud and entertain eight-year-olds. And I mean that affectionately. In a lot of ways, you're comparing Power Wheels with Hot Wheels. Sure. Power Wheels, their whole thing was now you're driving for real. And Hot Wheels were things you picked up and you got to make up and explore your own imagination with. So much of what Spy Racers is looking to accomplish is the imaginative part that's kind of often left best to the individual. But I understand why they wanted to create a show and capitalize on the success of the television franchise. I think, though, we would have actually been better suited to a TV... I'm being really serious, but we would have been better suited to the Fury Bots... And it have been basically transformers of the characters turning into their cars. And they could, like, get upgrades that allowed them to turn into different cars and stuff. Like, that might have been a better use of the Fast and Furious property. It's just, in so many ways, this feels like an American adaptation of a British sitcom. I, I just, like, it's not bad, and I like it, but it's really unnecessary for the brand. Well, I mean, going back to what you were saying before about adapting for a different medium, like animation lets them get weird, but they're still constrained to the world in which like physics mostly exists, right? And so if you're able to turn people into cars and cars into people, like why not? 
even though I think we are well past the point of ever having an actual genuine crossover, like, I don't think Dom's ever coming back. Like, Dom is just, like, he was there for a couple episodes in season one, and that's all we're ever going to get. And I think that's okay. Well, actually, it's of note that he sent Vin Daughter this season. No, she's been the voice of Frosty's sister since the beginning. But, I mean, she was in this one. There was, like, a plot for her. So Vin Daughter. She had reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. true. So he sent Vin Daughter. Like, I think they're still operating within a world where, like, they might cross over at some point, which I kind of appreciate and respect, but I also don't see that happening. But, like, I'm okay getting, just get weird with it, man. I don't know how I feel about the fact that there's no protagonist on this show anymore. This does feel like Ms. Nowhere's season, though, right? Like, it's like, she's kind of the, pro- I guess every season is a yeah. different protagonist, but, like, this is her season. Okay, good, because Echo wasn't in this season. No. They said that, you know what, Echo was in too much of last season. Apparently, and yeah. Tony too stupid last season. <laughs> I think we made, oh God, what's her name? I'm feisty and I'm blonde and I've got a scratchy voice. So, you know, I'm on the wrong side of the tracks. Layla, Layla. right? Layla, yeah. Just think Eric Clapton. Just think cocaine. Just think cocaine. I I knew a girl in high school who said that her parents were huge Clapton fans. And so they were going to either name her Layla or cocaine. And her name was Layla. So like, (laughs) I mean, it's just such a great fucking way to introduce yourself to people. It's great. It's like, uh, I tell this story about how they, (laughs) I tell this real life story about how this pedophile told me I was too old when he tried to steal me off the internet. Like, I looked too Mm -hmm. old for him. I was going to pivot that into a a more uh, acceptable story where, like, there's the Arrested Development joke about, like, Ron Howard naming his kids after where they were conceived, like, Bryce Dallas, and then there's that's why there's Rebel Alley in season four of Arrested (laughs) Development, because it's like... I was on the internet, and I was, like, 14 or whatever, and uh, this guy was like, you should meet up with me. Everybody will tell you I'm a good guy. And I was like, sure. And he was like, come meet me behind this shopping center by your house, but behind it and i was like sure so i walked there and then when what? the guy gets there i was 14 and when the guy gets there he pulls up in this sketchy ass van and he opens the door and he looks at me he goes and you're the guy from the internet i'm like yeah he's like sorry man you're too old i'm not in- i'm not into it and he just drives away because he thought i looked too old what i love about this show is that these are ostensibly the episodes that are most geared toward everyone because they're the animated images and you know you, you, you <laughs> Fast and Furious Spy Racers, and then we got Nico going full Nico here. And well, so I tell this story. I tell this story at a dinner party weekend. That's an appropriate way to put it. And so I tell this story at this dinner party weekend, and this sort of entertainment friend of ours just goes, "That right there, that's your tight five. That's Ugh. that's your tight five set right there. That's, that's it. I mean, he's right though. What a great story! If you put the right spin on it, that's some Sarah Silverman shit, right? So, sure. Yeah. Great is one word for it. <laughs> so, Kevin, what did you think of season four? <laughs> Good stuff. <sighs> it was okay. It was fine. I was sad that Rafaela got dispatched so quickly, but that kind of makes sense. They needed yeah. to move on. I wish they could figure out the line between what is funny to make our characters look bumbling and what just makes them look incompetent. Like, <laughs> yes, this was Ms. Nowhere's season, but sometimes some of the things that she does, I, I don't know why I should trust her to keep these children safe. Dog, dog, you're the only one that can save us. Dog, do the thing. Dog, save us, dog. Oh, <laughs> in the mouth. I also, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Cisco to begin with. I don't find big, doofy, large, bumbling lug nut dude to be a character type that I like in the first place. He was particularly incompetent and childish (laughs) this season. 
ask Nico. I started yelling at the TV when he was defending his uncle for the 50th time. Well, he was innocent. Well, no, he wasn't completely innocent. And in fact, what he is, is in some ways worse than actually working with Moray. What was that? Was the guy's name? Yeah, Moray. Yeah, because, because it shows that you're an idiot. It was last season, though, that we talked about how Cisco like got separated from the team, and like we forgot that he was on the team. They're like a team member, yep. like he's never had anything to do. Like they've always had a Cisco problem. I sort of hear and kind of don't hear. Like there's something about my uncle didn't or my cousin didn't know where the money was. You know how he was involved, so you can't blame him. I I do hear what Cisco is trying to say that there is sort of this unfair precedent set against certain groups of people more than others. Right? Definitely. And this is such a weird analogy, but like if people are going to be like when they see Evita, if they're going to be like she should have asked where the money was coming from, she should have thought about it. Then like so can this luchador. Well, I think what's especially weird about this season is that there is ostensibly like an anti-wall rightly so, like sentiment, where like at the end, what's actually pretty funny is that there's a line toward the end of the season where they ask the villain, Moray, what his plan is, right? And he says, his goal is to uplift impoverished locations to level the playing field, allow the common people to take back what's rightfully theirs. Oh, so he's everybody but Raffaella. Yeah. What's funny is that Palindrome then says, that's the most cohesive statement you've made since capturing me, which feels like the conversation we have literally every time we talk about one of these movies, where it's like, wait, what's the bad guy's plan? Like, what's Cypher trying to do? It's like, oh, it's accountability. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. But this guy clearly says, like, here's what I want to do. <laughs> Plans, and I'm going to blow up yep. Mexico City with a, with a volcano? But it's only like, the banks. But only the banks and, like, the, the things of, like, the rich. Right, which is crazy. So, like, there is... At its core, an element of like letting the less pri- the underprivileged or whatever thrive and succeed, and like there's like a noble thing here. And yet, the villain is a brown person, and the suspected villain is a brown person. It's just yeah. like, what what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? <laughs> there's some things that I'm having trouble with about this season. Like, it did seem like Gary was kind of like Ms. Nowhere sucks really quickly, <laughs> really yeah. quick. He turned on her real fast. I right? agree. And so I have this read that like because I kept being like, look. I love Palindrome. He is like Nick Offerman on HGH, and I'm all about it, right? So Palindrome, just as a quick backstory for people who do not have not seen the season, which is on Netflix now, Palindrome is the bigger bad, sort of, but he's like a good guy, a good guy in Ms. Nowhere's organization, he's, he's which like we still don't know hunter. anything about. He's like yes. the bounty hunter. I mean, for he the... represents the Dwayne Johnson entrance, the larger-than-life sure. new blood getting invigorated into the series part of the way through fitness obsessed yeah and he's brought in to find ms nowhere who ostensibly goes rogue after our spy racers are framed through we don't even really know deep fake technology i guess where there's a video of them like burning down or blowing up headquarters it's like that episode of the simpsons that i just watched with kevo maybe there's just another room and they're filming it and burns just keeps going in and going no you're not getting it right and like just keeps yelling at them to do a better job. Maybe there's just a backup team on retainer. Look at you so proud of yourself making Simpsons references. I just think that <laughs> Mr. Burns is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. I don't life. think I've you gotten know, there Smithers. yet. I'm only in the beginning of season four. Where are you guys? I completely forgot you're doing this too. That's so exciting. Mm-hmm. That's just another way that I really respect your choices. Wink. We are uh, watching sort of like a best of Kevo in his infinite sweetness put together okay. a... Best of The Simpsons by his uh, experience with the show. 
and we've That's been cool. going through kind of watching a little bit of you know a little bit of monica in our lives a little bit of erica by our sides a little bit of marge simpsons what we need so it's been going pretty okay i've been enjoying it a lot it's both a celebration and condemnation of the failings of middle America as the transition era into a sort of post-Reagan American patriotism mm-hmm. fading, truly a critical indictment of the ways our country failed its people. One of the most incredible, it's one of the most incredible transformative things I've ever seen. It really takes what I thought the show was uh, about stupid people and a bratty kid. And it makes me understand that the stupid people in Braddy Kid are meant to represent the failed people of a country who promised them better. And like, I am haunted by the efficacy of Homer's impotence as a man capable of providing for his family. (laughs) I am humbled by Marge's ability to keep her family together without ever taking credit for it. And anytime she tries to, she's villainized by everybody, even Lisa, who is a fake progressive. And the Lisa of the show where I'm at would totally be one of those, like, white turfs. You know what I mean? (laughs) She'd get there. But the Lisa I'm at is a very flat understanding of progress. I just think they're so horrible to Maggie. She represents forgotten child syndrome, where she is the child they never meant to have, so she's the child that gets the least attention and is expected to be self-sufficient and co-raised by the children. I just think it's the best fucking show. Everything involving Krusty the Clown is a rather finger wave, a rather aggressive finger wave at corporate democracy in the early 90s uh, vis-a-vis product is good for you now buy into the machine be part of capitalism it's not just good it's good enough it has been really spectacular i have loved every minute of it it has been really good so joe what do you think of season four of spy racers (laughs) watch this other cartoon when i finished it i looked at rachel and i said i can't tell if that was the best season of spy racers or not so i was on the same wavelength as nico and kevo i liked it it took a completely different direction they've totally abandoned what they were building it feels like but at the same time i was like that was enjoyable it's not memorable but it was enjoyable interesting like i didn't really have like problems with this one character wise like we were saying like last season had no cisco in it they kept everybody together which i liked it felt more like teamwork which was much better because we didn't have like a lot of teamwork last time we've had like all these like seasons where they kind of split off and do their own thing and kind of meet up at the end and this time they kind of like stayed together and had to like work through it together and i was like okay so i feel like they're finding their footing here so i did like that part of it i also don't know if i would know more about what's happening in this show if i watched the the episodes one at a time and space them out or if I would forget more than I do if I watch them all in one giant chunk. Because, like, sometimes shit happens and I'm just like, I have no idea how we got here. But I don't think that there's, like, ever a reason how we got there. They just, like, skip parts of stuff. I don't know if that's me just being, like, like I missed something and, like, all of a sudden everybody's in a different place or what. But I don't think it is. Watching all at once will give you a better sense of the overall scope, but you'll lose the details in between. I mean, they just do, like, wind up... Like, what I was surprised by early on is how quickly Palindrome finds them. Like, they run away, they're on the lam, they escape, and they, like, go, like, thousands of miles away, and, like, immediately he shows up because Gary knows where they are. And I'm like, oh, they're really kind of accelerating the story in a way that yeah. I did not expect them to. And then they introduce Morgan as the actual villain of the season or whatever. But, like, there's big kind of logical, I guess is the word, jumps in time and space that makes sense, but also 
are still surprising, I think. And Kevin, do you, were you, because I feel like in terms of story and narrative and the stuff that we've, you know, seen on, say, Disney Plus shows or whatever, or any other show, like, were you at all surprised by these kind of widespread, like, accelerations in the timeline at all, Kevo? Or, or is it just sort of, hey, it's that's just Spy cartoons, Racers doing Spy Racers or cartoons, things? either one. Yeah, it kind of just feels like that just is Spy Racers. Uh, to me, the biggest failing of the season was the underdevelopment of the Moray storyline. It's weird that this show keeps teetering into this area of like magic and apocalypses and stuff, <laughs> which yeah. again drives it very far from the franchise that it gets its name from. It's not that I would even say that this thing that it has become is very different from what they've been building the entire time, because it is. If I look back on early Spy Racers and look at what it is now, I would not say that this show is very different from what it originally started as, but it is not the franchise that it started as. I just don't know what to do with that. I, you know, right. especially with the poorly developed antagonists. It really felt more like the bigger antagonist this season than Moray's whole search for the Holy Grail lava stuff. It felt like it was just, they got, oh, what's that? It was burned? Is that what spies are? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like burn notice. That felt like the actual antagonist of the season and fuck anything else. What I think is interesting about the season is they do such a good job developing some of the new characters. Like I think Palindrome was one of the best characters they've introduced in a while. Yep. Oh, yeah. I think Tuco was a pretty cool character, especially voiced by Danny Trejo. Yep. And then to your point, Kevo, there's more, right? And it's just like, I don't know who he is and he's got cool technology, but like, where does he come from? Like, it does feel like to a certain extent that this is the fate of the furious of spy racers where it's like Ms. Nowhere turned against the families, but it's yep. not really like she didn't really do it. Like, you know, there's family or whatever, right? Like it feels like they're doing the same kind of thing. Again, I don't, I don't know. Like, I also don't know that like in a similar, but sort of different thing. Like, I don't feel like Mexico played a big part at all. Like not at it all. was just, not at I was all. like, are they in too. Mexico? Cause there's nothing like, even when we were in Brazil and I was like, oh, they're in street food or whatever. You guys are like, that's not actually Brazil. Like whatever. I'm like, oh, but like here it's like, this could be anywhere. It should have just been called Not in America because War Criminals. Yeah. Spy Racers on the lamb, on the run. Ooh, on the run would have been great. I think one of the things that most damages this show is that it attempts to stay beholden to its formula. We've reached a point where you made the joke of, okay, you didn't make this joke, but like sometimes people are talking and I get lost. My ATV just kind of goes into the woods for a minute. You segue right off a cliff. Kind of, sort of. And so I wound up at, you, when you're here, your family, come have our unlimited nospels. And I was like, how does this show fit into unlimited nospels? And like, I really wanted to, like, I really wanted to be able to explain that this show doesn't have nos. This show has Yoka. That's everything you sort of need to know about the argument behind the fundament of the show. The Fast and Furious was designed to create a vaguely authentic interpretation of Romeo and Juliet style portrayals of streetcar culture. It was meant to bring your Hot Wheels sets to life with hot, you know, hot curves on the cars and even hotter curves on the bodies. But ow, boo, right? <laughs> Here comes Spy Racers, which is literally just meant to be a bright, colorful cartoon and sell fucking toys. It doesn't really do that. Spy Racers doesn't sell toys. 
It just doesn't. Yeah. That's true. What Spy Racers does do is stimulate brand awareness for very little money in a period where it is difficult to properly stimulate brand awareness due to the pandemic. I think one of the biggest failings of this franchise is this either real or imagined feud has absolutely soured this franchise for so many people. The Rock and Vin Diesel or what? Yeah, The the Rock and Vin Diesel. Uh, For a second I was like, what do you mean what feud? What show are you on? (laughs) I got a little bit Klaus there on that because I was like, disbelief. You know, one of the things about Spy Racers that's endearing and charming is that it's super beholden to itself, but what it's become and what it tries to stay beholden to, you know, it's like, and I think Joey, you might know what I'm talking about. Joe, too, you might. Kevo, sorry, I'm going to lose you for a sec, babe, but I'll be right back for you. My favorite video game company outside of Nintendo proper is Square Enix, right? And Square Enix is responsible for some of the greatest JRPGs of all time. And one of the series of JRPGs that I enjoy is Drakengard. Drakengard is kind of what it sounds like. It would be like magical dragons. <laughs> There's a spinoff of it, Near, which is like a gritty crime world hundreds of years later based on yep. one of the possible endings of one of the games. Makes sense, yeah. And f- for you to understand that these two things are even connected is so foreign. They're very connected, but they're completely not connected, but they're very connected, but they're their own things. They really are separate series for all things that matter in a lot of ways, right? If they tried to make Nier be exactly Drakengard, it would be garbage. It would fail because it has to be its own thing, which is why I think this show is struggling because it is still trying to be Fast and Furious-y. At points when they would get Uh, back in cars, I would go, oh, look, cars. You want them to just abandon Fast and Furious and just just send it at this point. Yeah, they should just come in and change Toretto to like... Moretto, <laughs> dub over it. Moretto! And then when Dom comes in, just dub over it with Saul. It's my cousin, Saul. Here's something that I have to say. It's starting to feel, based on the things that we are seeing in every new episode drop, like the producers are listening to our show. I'm going to go ahead and just assume that they do. do my it. big note to all of y'all making the show for the next season is specifically that. It is... The complaint from anyone who cares about the Fast Furious franchise is that it has lost all connection to the Fast Furious franchise. Now I understand we might not be able to get actors from the movies to appear on the show. Sure. But there's other ways that we can reconnect back to the movies. Introducing Tony Toretto in the first place... I had assumed was going to open us up to a whole world of Toretto cousins. Why aren't we seeing any other family members of any of the other cast members? Dom could have multiple cousins. Letty could have multiple cousins. Sure. We could meet Roman's family. Like there's all of these things that we could be doing to connect back to the main franchise. It's true. We talked about this last season too, like with the locations, like they were in Rio, which is where Fast Five was, and they didn't capitalize on that at all too, yeah. right? So I don't think it's going to get less silly and it's a children's cartoon. Should we really ask it to? No. No. And in fact, like I keep saying, I want to see Fast Furious in space. We probably won't see that in the movies in the way that I would like to see it. 
you know, I want like spacesuit battles like from Aliens. And we're probably not going to get that in a Fast Furious movie. So hopefully we could get it from the cartoon show. And that'd be cool. You know, like, I feel like one of the biggest oversights that the franchise as a whole has made, and I think this goes to your point, Kevo, that, like, they have not connected, they're never going to connect, is that we have released, and I know things are kind of opening back up now, but, like, during the pandemic, there have been two seasons of the show released, and there was no greater push by Universal or the Fast and Furious accounts or any of the actors to be like, hey, we know that you can't see F9 yet, but like, go check this out. There's more story or whatever. Like they are, as far as I can tell, they're not acknowledging that this exists. That just sort of screams to me like we don't care about it. Like this is a separate thing. There is disconnect. Yeah. Even the game too. When the game came out, none of the like actors were like, oh, go check out. Like Tyrese wasn't like, I'm in Crossroads. Go check it out. Right. I mean, he, he might, I don't know. Like he, I wouldn't be surprised if he was there because he's in it. Like he put time in and he got paid for it. But like, it feels like there was an opportunity to like utilize this stuff that apparently has been done or is still being made or whenever this is being made, who knows? And be like, hey, we know that, you know, we have to push it back because of, you know, forces outside of our control. But like, there's more Fast and Furious for you. And like, maybe it's not made for you. Like you could spin it in any number of ways and like make it more of an event other than like, hey, yeah, next Friday it's on Netflix. It's like, (laughs) what? And really at the end of the day, it's not bad. It's not you know gonna win a daytime emmy or anything like that but i don't think that the fast furious movies are going to win an oscar either it's not what its purpose is right not everything is meant to be that i think that this show is pretty good for what it is i wish i could have watched it spaced out a little more we had to for the show and i it, of course, obviously, and I don't think that it really made it that much less enjoyable either. I, it's a cute, fun show. I I enjoy the cast for the most part and their dynamic. I was really excited for the possibility of Frosty's sister being a more central character this Same. season. That was a huge, huge letdown, and I thought mm-hmm. at the very least, okay, we're not getting Vin, but his daughter's going to be in more. Great. Nope. Okay. One episode. Oh, my other thing. I am redefining the rules on queer visibility for the 2020s and gay parents no longer count as queer visibility. If you want points for queer visibility, you need queer actual main characters to your show. I appreciate that Frosty's moms are gay and frankly, they're the only parents that we've met, which is wild. No, that's not, that doesn't fly anymore. So if you want points for queer visibility in in, in a show like this, you need a queer character. Well, to that point, sort of, kind of, is that this season ends on a will they or won't they kiss between Tony and Layla. And like, that doesn't feel like like if that was going to happen, it should have happened, I think, already. Or like they should have set it up at all. But like, they look I like they're like going to kiss and then they don't. And so this show is largely asexual i guess i mean intentionally so probably but like you broach the subject but i think to your point kevin like that's i think you're right it's not enough especially when like their presence in this season is like hey yeah hi we're here uh but we're gonna disappear for a while you're on your own like it's not only that they're not really main characters like they're just not in it like like by design the kiss to me felt like they were testing the waters for them as a couple and seeing how the audience is going to react kind of like how they let Raphaela escape at the end of last season but then they immediately caught her as if to say no we're done with her now I guess they got audience reactions and audience <laughs> reactions were no that's okay we got our fill of Raphaela 
I wonder if they were putting that there to see what the audience reaction will be. I don't know who they're listening to. I guess us. They did that for us to see if we want them together. I don't. Very quickly, on our YouTube page, uh, Calibris95 commented on one of our videos and was very excited for us to talk about Spy Racers Mexico. And Calibris said, did you guys notice that Tony and Layla have almost kissed? Those two remind me of Dom and Lenny. What are your thoughts? Don't tell me right now. Tell it on the video. They're not I don't Dom know how I feel about it. Well, no, yeah, they're not. They're not Dom and Letty. I wouldn't say that. I wasn't feeling it. It feels like something you were doing to push a fifth season, if anything. It's like, that's like what what happens in a sitcom when they like are nearing the end of the line with ideas that you're like, okay, put two of the main characters in a relationship for a season and let that like work or crumble. Some people like that couple more than the main couple. Nico, how do you feel about odd couples that they put together late in the series? So... Um, I don't like Ross and Rachel together, but I think Joey pounding the shit out of Rachel with that big fat dick is like the hottest <laughs> thing I've ever heard in my entire motherfucking life. And I just need that on the goddamn record. I ship that so fucking hard. And like, I just don't get why other people don't like it. I'm really attracted to Matt LeBlanc. That's I get it though. I really get Joey and Rachel. You know, I think it was weird at first, but I think they convinced us. I think sometimes that couple can work. I think sometimes it doesn't, like Ann Perkins and Chris Traeger, Tom Haverford. Oh, right. That was a that was a dark dark era. Ann and Chris was just random as fuck. Like, okay, let's have a baby together. Yeah, we're in love again. What? That's fine. Yeah. Who cares? You guys are hitting the exact point that I was. Yes, I agree. And that's something about Layla and Tony, too. It's like, ah, uh, who if we cares? Must, if we must, sure. If it helps the story somehow, maybe. If someone wants it. Well, so what's what's interesting, and interesting is a very strong phrase or word for what I'm about to say, is that season three ended with Raphael on the run and Cleve seemingly dead, but then his mech suit or whatever was open, right? Because I remember, I like, Touché. I looked back, yes. I looked back at my notes and I was like, well, how did the last season end? Like, they're basically both on the lamb. And so by the end of the first episode, Raphaela gets caught and she's ostensibly put away, even though season three was about breaking her out of jail or whatever, right? So if you want a season five, it's Cleve. Like, you have that there because, like, nothing from this season has been left unturned. Like, the entire, like, this is as complete of a season, I think, as they can imagine. Like, everything, like, everything. Everything is resolved. Everything is back to normal. Gary and Ms. Nowhere are back together, like friends again. I guess you bring back palindromes somehow, maybe of Tuco, but like there's no outstanding drama. I have a point about this, actually. I think that in a lot of ways, they resolved Gary and Ms. Nowhere to not be a couple. I had felt uh, there was a lot of sexual tension there. Okay, but I think, yeah. I think he's just her beta. Like, I mean that really positively. He's somebody who thrives on an alpha beta situation by where he is the big muscle that the smart, capable, super incredible person can always rely on. They are both people of color, so it's not a commentary on a person of color being subservient to a white person, and I appreciate that. By making it the hyper-muscular man, it subverts the trope of the My Gal Friday and instead turns the big bodyguard into a My Gal Friday hybrid. And yet she never sexualized him, which is no. very important. I feel like she and Palindrome are clearly going to get, uh, let's call it uh, Joey Rachel. They're going to have some beautiful babies, I can tell you that much. Right. Mm. I feel like uh, Gary found a love in Gay Gay Julius. Was Julius ever, was he new this season or he exists? No, I he was existed. just going to ask that. He, he exists, he came in at some point like, 
in a previous season because like I remember calling him Barry because he was just like other Gary. Oh, you know what it was when they were in the desert and Gary and Mrs. Nowhere were like lost? I think he came in. I genuinely don't remember, but I would believe it. (laughs) I just really appreciated the ramping up of that character this season. Then they are both voiced by True Valentino. Amazing. I think is hilarious. I didn't know there was the same voice. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved that side character to give Gary. I think their chemistry was hilarious. And I love this weird little family unit that they want to be with mom and dad palindrome nowhere. One of our initial hopes about this organization was that we were going to get some answers. Like this is the Mr. Nobody thing. Like this is the organization that Kurt Russell worked for we might get some answers yeah and like this season in particular is like you're never getting answers like we're not telling you jack shit about shit right True. like yeah. there's a bunch of agents that we have here via drone uh gary is loyal to the organization overall they have palindrome whether he's an employee or just like a hired gun who knows but you know the fact that like the the redacted thing keeps coming back as a funny joke like we're like never that. gonna know anything about this which i guess tracks to the nowhere nobody nothing element of it all but like to me as in terms of fast and furious canon this organization is the by far the most interesting thing to me about the show and i get that by design we'll never know about it but like i want to know more about it and like i would prefer a spin-off of just them of like the gary and julius like fun time hour or something you know like troy nobbit in the morning like i want more of this element of the show because this feels more fast and furious in a way than anything else in the show even comes close to being but i do love them keeping it mysterious and ambiguous because i think you can get more out of it that way and you can play fast and loose with the rules and i even hope that it stays that way in the live action because i think that it brings a level of levity to the franchise and to the idea that would keep it from going a little bit too over the top. Yeah. Yeah. We can go over the top, right? We yeah, are allowed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. We, we can. We definitely can. Joe, do you have any other thoughts about this season of Spy Racers? Anything we'd not touch on? Yes. One, something kind of big for us is that they got a fucking pet. And we talk about how there's no animals ever in Fast and the Furious. Yeah, Roscoe. They stole a dog. Yeah, they definitely stole someone's dog. Fair. But I, I did like that they added an animal it being in an animated show i was like that's pretty cool because like we don't get animals at all and we're always like bitching that we don't have any animals like they never have pets so like that was something cool and interesting to me also they make a pizza and ranch comment are you guys pizza and ranch fans or no No, it's disgusting really i'm not a ranch person in general the house style the dressing the vacation it's not my thing I just like it's it's pardon the phrase it's white trash condiment. It is. Uh, I'm white trash though, so I don't care. Yeah, I fucking love it. That's I don't what I'm fucking give a shit. Well, my class <laughs> it up for. I thank you. Only dip my platinum shrimp in foie gras. So <laughs> I you dip French fries in Caesar dressing. Don't act like you're that much oh. more classy than ranch. Okay, I want to be honest with you. I don't know the last time I had. I don't know the last time I had dressing on anything when I used to do things like have dressing at like a diner. And like, so I would like order too much food. Caesar is just ranch dressing for intellectuals. It is. good. It's it's ranch dressing with anchovies. Yeah. Here's my actual comment about pizza and ranch. If your pizza is good enough, you don't need ranch. That's a good comment. I agree with that. The crust. It's best for shitty pizza. It is. I need something to dip the crust. 
No, you don't. I mean, you can, but you don't need it. And with with if good it's crust. Like a really good crust. I get it. Um. Oh, we didn't talk about the fucking the dog eating corn acid trip that happened. And I oh, know yeah, that cool Kevin was style. yeah 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 holds the wild animation sequence this season. We got one back, and I know that Kevin was really excited about the Yoka one. So I wanted to know what he thought about it. Yeah, it was cute. I didn't really understand what the hell was happening. I was very disappointed that it was just regular corn and not a lote when they mentioned a lote at some point. Wait, it did just... it eat a corn cob? Yes. Yeah. It should have died. I... Uh, is a that a thing? Is that a thing? Yes, I don't is, know that. It's, I learned, <laughs> Nico and I learned that on Fuller House. Oh, no, I, oh, I yeah. didn't. Cosmo almost died because he ate one of the corn cobs from Max's farm. So, yeah, if he ate a corn cob, that dog should have died. He just tripped balls, apparently. That's what the, the answer was. But, okay. I mean, the animation was cool. That part was okay. cool. Yay, we got our weird animation vignette for this season it was weird though and didn't make any sense and that, no sense that, no plot. That, that kills dogs so they can't digest that that's that's very fair i think it can eat corn that's why i was like did he eat just like corn from like a dish no it was corn it was it was on a cob we didn't see him eat the entire cob we just saw the corn on the cob and then the dog started tripping hmm weird it was very yeah it's weird. i'm gonna have to investigate this corn <laughs> Did you guys think that the animation style has changed this season? Because I felt like this season felt very much like video game cinematics as opposed to how cartoony the previous seasons were. And I can't tell if that's just my perception of it because we changed the layout of our living room and I'm sitting further from the TV or if, if it was actually something that happened. No, I specifically thought the season was a lot brighter. I'm talking like the 3D rendering and like the the camera angles of their character like their characters felt like it was more like a cinematic shot in the middle of a video game as opposed to how the cartoon was very flat before. And was I imagining it? I'm thinking I would... It didn't stand out to me. I don't have okay. an answer, but it didn't stand out to me. Like the last fight scene felt like very like they were using camera shots that they didn't seemed to like it just they felt more 3d somehow and i don't know what that was i mean that could just be a different kind of directing because you're able to just choreograph animation however you want so that might just be somebody else behind the camera as it were telling the Fair. animators what to do i don't know joe i think that was the corn hitting you a little bit too hard <laughs> i might ate the whole cob and the last thing that i have about this season is i'm glad they brought back the all lug nuts joke and video yeah I just think that it's, a, it's a cute it's a cute little like inside joke, funny, viral video in their world, and I'm glad that they kept that in and referred to it. It would have felt so foolish to have made no effort to tie this back into anything. I understand that part of what they're hoping to accomplish with this show is you know individual seasons that serve individual purposes but without any connective tissue it just feels like a waste of my time in some ways well i like that in that same way that they bring back one of Layla's shifter friends to like be their hookup in mexico i'm like oh right we did a whole season on that like That's i forgot right. that yeah. but like it was cool that he came back i like that too i and i did like that he was like oh he mentioned sashi who we had in the first season so like we're getting i think they're moving in the right direction as like weird as we were about the th the third season, I'm like okay, I'm seeing parts here that I'm like I can I can dig this, and I'm I'm on board for like as you're progressing. Maybe not the Tony and Layla kissing thing, but we're getting there. I think my second biggest complaint though would then be I wish we knew they were moving in a direction and that we had any <laughs> idea of 
the longevity of this series. That might have been it. That might have been the end. That might have been right. the series yeah. finale. We don't know. And we won't know until August when they June. drop June. eight more episodes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last came out in October. What was the last one before? No, the that last one came out. It came out Christmas week. Even right. even more recent than that. That's right. Oh my God! Wait. So was there one in October though? It was both. Uh, there was one. So the first season came out in Christmas nineteen, and then season three came out Christmas twenty. There was one in between. I don't remember when it was. Oh, actually, it was maybe it was maybe it was August because that was when we kind of disrupted our lap with you guys because we're like we don't really want to watch this more than once. It came out. Spy Racer season two October right I think you yeah is that what you said on. yeah yeah December October December April but then <laughs> specifically October December April so two and a half months this is some MCU shit yeah they're on it they're definitely Choke on, on it. cartoon <laughs> I guess they haven't I guess no one else I guess no one's got anything to do or they're all done I still don't know like I still asked the question last time and like you guys had smart answers about like how they do animation in advance. And I feel like this coming out unexpectedly, like, kind of makes me question everything once again. Like, I don't know. Maybe they have, like, 10 seasons fully animated that were just, you know. I have no idea. It's like how when, you know, when there's a team, the two teams playing in the Super Bowl and they print up championship victory merch for both of them. <laughs> and then they send all of the other ones somewhere. Yeah. Like, there are just, like, season on season of spy racers <laughs> that are never going to see the light of day when, like, Netflix cancels them. But, like, well, we can't release them. Like, we'll just, you know, we'll just tell this country over here that, like, this is the only, this is a new show. <laughs> And it's not important to my enjoyment of the series or anything like that. Like, toward the end of Steven Universe, the fact that we didn't know when the show was even ending, that was affecting my enjoyment of the show itself. This mm -hmm. is Spy Racers, so there isn't yeah, really any yeah. sort of, like, overarching story or myth arc that I need to be concerned. <laughs> it's just affecting my ability to, I guess, I, I want to know if I should keep caring or not. Should I know that there is another one on the horizon, or should I be like, okay, it's over? You're going to find out in three months, bud. Okay, but I have a serious question that is not serious at all. If we had said to you, hey, there's a new season of the show out, we're not going to cover for the podcast, but it's out, would you have watched this? Like, are Ooh, you invested question. in this enough to have spent another, you know, three hours or whatever this is watching the show, or is it like, yeah, I don't know. Probably would have watched it. It helps. Okay. That every season so far has been eight episodes. Yeah. I don't think that I would necessarily count it out if it got increased to like a 13. If it was 22 episodes a season, yeah, uh, probably not. I don't know. So then one other related-ish question. If this followed the Disney Plus release of one a week, would you have still watched it? Would you have waited to binge it till the end? Or would you have watched one a week? I don't know if I have an answer to this question, but I'm just wondering because I know that you guys covered Falcon and Winter Soldier on a weekly basis. And I think that there's a benefit to that kind of show releasing incrementally. I don't know if that benefits this show, but I'm yeah, wondering. This isn't that show. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that it would benefit this show. I might watch it weekly, but I don't think that I would watch it weekly with any specific intent or veracity the way that I have done with the Marvel shows so far. I think I would be like, yeah, if I feel like watching it, then I will. If and here's 20 I, minutes. I got to fill it with something, right? So. Yeah. Or I might decide to wait, depending on where my head is at when it's released. Like, I think it fair. is very subjective to the situation. Cool. Fair enough. Nico, any other thoughts about Spy Racers Mexico? I don't even have answers to the questions you just asked Kevo. I don't know if I would <laughs> watch it weekly. I don't know. I mean, I probably would watch it inevitably at some point just to finish. Mm -hmm. It's fine, but it's not something that I'm like so excited about week after week. Makes sense. Cool. 
I have one last thing. I have one last thing. On the back of Palindrome's jacket, it says, Live on, O dog. And his name's Palindrome. So that's Go Do No Evil. Whoa. Did anybody catch what the bottom said, or did uh, nobody else cared about that besides me? Because I, like, paused many times trying to read the back of this jacket when I realized it had words and his name was Palindrome. Like, I was like, they're going to put something here. I will tell you I did not pause this show once. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) That's totally fine. But yes, I was trying to figure out what the back of his jacket said, but I only got the top part of it. That's actually pretty cool. I like that. I do. Does a pal... Okay, yes. You can ask a question about Palindrome. No, no, no. It's It's right. Like, a palindrome doesn't need to be the same words frontwards and backwards. It just needs to read something. No, the the letters need to be The letters need to be inverted, mirrored, yes. Like Taco Cat. Exactly. But that's the same word frontwards and backwards in kayak. There is no single one word Taco Cat, though. It's two words. That's true. Taco and cat. So it does support your point. Although I like this single word Taco Cat you're pitching. I have a Siamese. Mm, I have a taco cat. <laughs> I am annoyed that palindrome is not a palindrome. Like, I feel like every yes. word that describes a thing should be an example of that thing. Like a phone. Yeah, that sounds like what it is. That kind of works. It's not. I, I know that the root of that word does not, it means something, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> no, that's my final note. That was my final note. That was that was the last thing I had. Nico, any of the notes? No, just that, you know, if they do another season, I'll watch another season. If they don't do another season, I won't watch another season. There won't be another season to watch. I like that we had a good excuse to talk to you guys again. I'm glad you're back. Well, they'll be back again yeah, in a couple of months when F9 comes out. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically yes uh we've got a whole plan in place that i will tell you about after we hit the stop recording button that i have not we have not announced to the public yet but we have a plan in place for f9 which should be very exciting we will be on next lap to talk about f9 what would you like to plug before you leave before you bid us farewell for the evening come check out x's for podcast where we're churning out high quality podcasts twice a week talking about everybody's favorite thing the x-men comics and now X means more than just X-Men. Yes, this is true. And, Kevo, I think you can talk a little bit about our HTML videos. Yes, we've been putting out reaction videos so far for Falcon and Winter Soldier over on the X's for Podcasts. That's cool. YouTube account. We'll probably get back to that once Loki comes back. We would have done Black Widow in the middle, but apparently that's just not meant to be. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, mm. Eventually, we will return to finish our State of the MCU episode over on the Husbands Talking More or Less audio podcast. There's just so much going on in the MCU, and it is constantly changing, and my heart just can't take it anymore. Come back on Tuesday, where we have Heather Antos talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Which she apparently fucking loved on Twitter. Which is thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. (laughs) Thankfully. We also, as this comes out on Friday the 30th, on Monday, check out Mike Manzi's podcast, Third Time to Charm, where we have our second episode of The Crossover, True. Lone yeah. Wolf and Cub number three. And then coming soon to the Patreon, TooFast2Forever.com, we will have our third episode in that crossover about Lone Wolf and Cub number four. We've got lots of episodes. Next week's Hobbs and Shaw. And then after that, there's two episodes the next week. So, like, there's lots of Fast and Furious stuff. We are swimming in content, swimming. dripping in that sweet, sweet that tent. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com and our store at TooFastTooForever.shop. Come back on Tuesday 
for Hobbs and Shaw. But remember, on Monday, Third Time's Charm, separate audio feed. Check out our episode about Lone Wolf and Cub number three. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And that was Kevo Reese and Nico Basillo of Husbands Talking More or Less. And we'll tell you all about it. We'll see you.